Good morning. Thank you, Kelly, Tom, and Heather. My name is Mike. I am the pastor here at Communitas Church, and Communitas is a church that exists to love God, to love people, and to build disciples who walk in grace, who grow in their faith, gather in groups so that we can understand our gifts and use those gifts to serve in the Brainerd Lakes area and around the world. We're just saying we exalt you, God. We exalt the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And and that's, that's one of the ways that, uh, you know, so as we, we come here, we, we worship in a number of different ways. Uh, just our very coming together today, we're, we're going to be in Ephesians, we'll be talking about this in Christness. And so even our just coming together here today, saying no to looking out for number one, to come and be one, is in itself an act of worship. Uh, we worshiped through singing, uh, singing songs about who God is and what He's done into and through us. And uh, we will shortly, um, we worship through the giving of tithes and offerings, financial stewardship. Uh, we've also worshiped, or we will worship through preaching and listening and proclamation of God's word. But before we do that, we're going to worship through communion. And communion is a time that, that we express two things, uh, a few things, but two things specifically. We're going to express, one, our dedication and our devotion to the Lord. And in that, our dedication and devotion to one another. As we dedicate our lives to the Lord, we see that we submit to the Lord, to the one who has created us, who has instilled and and shown us how to live. And we do that by following his example and submitting to those around us, serving those in our midst. I think that's what's just kind of the cool thing about this meal, right? When you think about it as a meal, and we've, we've said this before, that, uh, you know, nothing too fancy. We got some juice and some plastic cups and some gluten-free crackers. Nothing that's really going to make a Yelp review, right? Yet in the early days of the early church, when, uh, when, when Christians were kind of flooding out from Jerusalem to fill the Great Commission, that was what people noticed. You're like, man, these, these people, like they live differently. They gather around for this meal and, and all kinds of different people show up at this meal. It wasn't just for one type of person. It wasn't just, you know, this group that was into this thing got together over at this place and this other group that, you know, was into that thing got together at that place. It was all these people from all these different walks of life and all these different interests and passions and, and ways that they express themselves came together for one meal. And so around the world today, we join in with the rest of God's good church pushing back against the gates of hell, extending the rule and reign of God, the peace that He grants through His grace to a world that is desperately in need of His mercy. And and one of the ways that we do that is by simply partaking of this meal together. So we join in churches that are we can we're going to see on our drive home we join in with churches that we've heard of places that maybe we listen to them on the radio and a podcast we're joining with them today 
the underground church in the Far East and the Middle East and places in Africa, we join with them today. And we, the same Spirit that's, that inspired these words lives within us today and is here with us in communion as we are with the whole body of Christ. That is worth getting excited about. That is a meal worth partaking in. And so what we do here at Communitas is we practice what's called open communion. That means that you do not have to be a member of our church to take this meal with us. We just ask that you would be a follower of Jesus. And if that is you, come on forward. Partake in this meal with us. And in a group this large, we're not so naive as to believe that you know, everyone in here is a believer. We know that there's people that are coming in here that are just going, I got no idea what's going on here. I'm just trying to get my ducks in a row. Or maybe you're going, I don't even know where my ducks are. I'm just trying to find them. And that's okay. You're in a good place around good people, and we welcome you here, and we're glad that you're here. And we're going to enter into a time of, of, uh, of silence and reflection. And, uh, and I just want you to take a few moments to think about who is God and what has He done in this world as we look around, whether it's through creation or in and through your life. And take some time to think about who is the, who is the Son that He sent to the world to show us how to live, to die and to rise again, that we could walk in grace and know His peace. And to think about the way that our life hopefully reflects his life. And, uh, and, and then to ponder, when it doesn't, why not? And then think about who is the Holy Spirit and what is the Holy Spirit doing in your life? And during this time, there may be moments that, where you're going to feel some conviction. The Holy Spirit may be stirring something within you saying, hey, there's these things or there are these people that you know, maybe some things that you've done wrong or, or, or you didn't do that were wrong and uh, Or maybe there's some people that you need to, to share a message of hope with or you need to be honest about and, and speak some truth into their life. So the Holy Spirit may convict you during this time. He may also um, confirm some things. There may be some things that you've been doing this last week or in this past season that are really going well and the Lord is just saying, keep doing that. You've taken a good step. Take another. And all of this is done in hopes that we would better convey the good news of Jesus Christ to the world around us. And so let's, let's take some time. And parents, you know, we've got a bunch of kids around here. We'll let you decide as if it's appropriate for them to partake in this meal with us. And I, I did say we were going to spend some time in silence. So as you're ready, come on forward, grab the elements, bring them back to your seat. We'll all partake of the meal together after we read some words from Scripture. And if you're thinking, man, there's a lot of kids around here, uh, we're going to have a time of silence. Yeah, it's something that we do, and kids make noise, and that's okay. Uh, adults make noise sometimes, sometimes on accident, sometimes on purpose. Kids, you know, they're working on it, so we're going to extend them grace as well. Um, and it's not something that will stymie the Spirit. And uh, so I'm going to pray for us. And then uh, as you're ready, come on forward, grab the elements and uh, bring them back to your seat. And then once everyone has grabbed the elements, I'll read some words from Scripture and we'll all partake of this meal together. Lord, I thank you for another day to worship you. I thank you that you have gathered people throughout your church, throughout the world, together today and that later we'll be scattering to bring this message of, of grace 
and peace and justice and mercy to a lost and dying world so desperately in need of it. And so God, I pray that we would see who you are and what you've done. And Jesus, that we would look at your life and that we would be confirmed and convicted in the way that we live our own. And Holy Spirit, would you continue to grow within us? Grow our faith that it would be mature, that we would better convey your hope to the world around us. And so Father, speak to us in this time about who we are and how we are to live. As Jesus and his friends were eating, the last time that they all gathered together, he took the bread and he broke it and he said, take, eat, this is my body. And as the good meals often do, this one lingered on into the evening. He took the cup and we gave, and we had given thanks, gave it to them saying, drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Thank you, Lord, for this forgiveness and for this covenant. And this covenant that is something that you have done, not something that we have done. And so we know that it will prevail. I pray, Lord, that we would continue to walk in wholeness with you and with unity with one another. Okay, at this time there are some uh, blue buckets that will make their way around. Feel free to drop those cups in there. Uh, we will be in Ephesians today. And uh, I know last week we were in Ephesians, but we then turned to the book of Acts. We will be uh, fast-forwarding seven years from that to the book of Ephesians. This is a letter that was written by Paul to the church in Ephesus. So uh, feel free to take out a... Uh, if you have a paper Bible, go ahead and take that out and flip to Ephesians. That's a New Testament book. There will be far more pages to the left than there will to the right. Um, if you get to Galatians, keep going a little bit further. You'll hit Ephesians if you start getting into Philippians and Colossians. Come back a little bit to your left, and uh, there you will find the book of Ephesians. If that is not a, uh, if you do not have a Bible with you, feel free to take out a mobile device, tap, swipe, do whatever else you need to do to do that. And uh, if none of those options are available or preferable to you, the words will be displayed on the on the screen behind us, and uh, we've got Mr. Judah Smith is going to read the words from Scripture for us this morning. So, Judah, whenever you are ready, my man, your microphone is right over here. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, Judah, and thank you, Lord, for your word and the way that it has been preserved um, and that we're able to read it and read it freely here uh, today. And we pray for the church around the world where that is not the case and pray that we would uh, work toward making that no longer so, um, that every ear would hear, that every eye would see. Amen. Kids, this is the part of the service where you all head out toward this door over here. And uh, Julie got you all checked in. 
and we've got uh, Megan and Sue and Sandy and Leanne and Jewel and Scott all have a fantastic lesson planned for you all back there. And so, Lord, we thank you for these kids. Uh, it is no small uh, or secondary task to be entrusted with the uh, maturation and the discipling of their souls. And so we pray, Lord, that by your Spirit, uh, we would grow in our own maturity, that we would continue to help these kids grow uh, in your image. And so we pray for Megan and for Sue, for Sandy, Leanne, Scott, Jewel, and Julian. We're so glad for their service. Amen. Anyone else think that was like the shortest passage we've ever read here? <laughs> Judah's like, yeah, I can read that. You bet. Two verses? Done. Remember when you had me read two chapters? Ah. Do so. Um, I uh, I get to be around some pretty decent athletes, and uh, just kind of in the various circles and whatever else and activities that I'm involved in. And uh, speaking with some guys recently, and, and I was always struck by it. there's this one that I I'm around that is a just kind of a phenom. I mean, every time you're around him, it's kind of a clinic. On uh, like he's just kind of showing you how the sport is to be played and participated with, you know? And uh, it's a really, it's a fun and humbling experience. And my favorite part about it is that, I mean, he's traveled all over the place to participate in this sport. And, uh, like, if you talk to him, like, you know, oh, what did you do this summer? Oh, I was, you know, I was here, I was doing this, whatever else, no big deal. It was fun. Never mind that you were among, like, some of the most elite athletes in your age group in the country, you know, but to him, it's, it's just no big deal. For him, it's about how do I make those around me better? And so those that participate in these various activities with him end up getting better. Contrast that to uh, some of his teammates with whom I was speaking where, you know, it's, it's all, you know, oh, the team didn't do well, but I did well. You know, I, you know, I, you know no, the team lost, but like I, I scored good points. It's the wrong kind of metric, right? And, and we, we see that there's two different kinds of, of oneness in that. We got one looking out for number one, and then the other who's looking out for one, for, for the unity, for the betterment of the team. And so this letter that Paul has written to the Ephesians, uh, we're going to see, and so today we're going we're gonna to take a look at kind of a, a, a mile high. We're going we're gonna to see a bunch of stuff, and then we're also going to really dig down deep. And uh, some of you may remember a couple weeks ago when George spoke, he talked about this kind of overarching story within the Scriptures. And, you know, if you've been with us or you maybe heard us use this term, casket empty. And uh, that's just an acronym that we use to try to remember the overarching story of Scripture. It's not the way, it's just a way. And so we talk about you know, God's story through creation and the way that he worked and, and kind of called some people to himself in the time of Abraham. And he was trying to unify these people. And, and during the period of the kings, whether it was uh, through a, a united monarchy or a divided monarchy, he was always trying to work these people together in his image to spread his glory throughout the world. And in the, in the period of, of, expect, or of, um, of exile, he was continuing to work in their hearts and bring them back home. And in the period of the temple, we see that continued. This message continued on throughout the period of expectations where the church just got kicked around. It was sort of the footstool to the four different global superpowers that came through uh, the political landscape in that 600 years. And then we see the time of the Messiah that comes where Jesus comes in and, and the Holy Spirit dwells within His people and continues to move in the, as the church grows and gathers and scatters throughout the known world. 
And so there we have this time of Pentecost. We have teaching that brings us to yet to come when all tears will be wiped away. When the kingdom and the glory of God will be known throughout all of the world. And Paul is going to Paul's going to kind of give us that that overarching view for the first couple of chapters and then he's going to get really into the nitty-gritty. Um, and so I just want to take a little bit of time and uh and we're going to talk about, you know, so one thing that when we're when we're going through um through this book and so Ephesians has six chapters. If you were with us during the book of Matthew, there were times when we went through two chapters in one Sunday. So by logic, you might think, okay, so by the middle of February, we'll be on to a new book. Not true. We're going to go ahead and just throttle back a lot because there is a ton that has been packed into these six chapters. And we would be remiss if we didn't slow down and take some time to really dig into that. And one thing that, and I think George did a great job pointing this out, one thing that we can sometimes get in the habit of or, or, um, is that we, we read one verse and we just get so down into this one verse that we fail to see the rest of the Scriptures. And so we're going to constantly be diving really deep, but pulling back and trying to get really, really high. Does anyone know what this is? It may be a failed science experiment. This is a, um, this is a maple tree, or I hope it is. Uh, I found some of these little helicopter seeds one time growing in, my, uh, in our front little planter area, and I thought, I like maple syrup. I'll grow a couple of these. Um, now, if, uh, and there, there's planting seeds, and then there's also the importance of, of growing trees, and that takes you know, some pruning and you know, some, some different things. And so I've got this toolbox here. A tool bag. Uh, what would be the most important tool in here? By the way, Jim, don't leave without your hammer. Um, <clears throat> you know, you might think, okay, so uh, I've got, you know, something for trimming some trees down, something for taking some trees down. Uh, what would be the, the best tool for taking care of something like this that we got in here? Is this, is, are these a little bit overkill? Yeah, I think the best thing that we maybe need for that is probably a little bit of water, right? And a little bit of time and a little bit of nurture. And so that's what's going on in the church in Ephesus. And uh, you may remember from last week, um, so Paul, is uh, he's cruising around and he's persecuting the church and he is all kinds of a mess and then Jesus meets him on the road to Damascus. He's converted. He's given a new name. He has a new identity in Christ. And then he's discipled and he's sent out to plant these churches all over the ancient Near East and Asia Minor. And, uh, and, he, and he, he spends some time in Ephesus. And if you remember, so Ephesus was kind of a, both a cultural epicenter as well as a cult worship Epicenter, And so I think we've got a picture of the Temple of Artemis here. If you remember, so this was 60 feet high. It was 425 feet long. If it was built in Brainerd today, it would be the third tallest building in town. And it was made entirely of marble. Not bad. And this was 2,600 years ago. I don't think they had a sawzall at that point. Yeah, so that's that's going to take some work to put all that up. 127 pillars. I mean, this was a sight to behold. 
And, uh, and so that was what Paul is going into. And, he, and so he's, he's planning this church there. There's also a temple there, and there was, uh, they were pretty big. There was this guy named Caesar Augustus. He died in 14 AD. Paul's hanging out and uh, writing this letter in the early 60s. Uh, 6 AD, not like, you know, 1960s. And, um, and there's, we've got a picture of this gate. As you would come into the city, there's, uh, these arches that you would go through. And uh, we got some, we got a picture of that. So this is just a stock photo we found off the internet. And so these, you'd pass through these arches. And as you came in through these arches, there was an inscription that you would see. Uh, and it was, attributing, uh, it would say, Caesar Augustus, the divine one. And so that red uh, rectangle there talks about Caesar Augustus, the divine one. And so that's what Paul is up against. That's where Paul is going. And so he sees that he has a part to play in God's story. You can go ahead and put the temple of Artemis back up there. And so, and he sees that you know, there are a number of different tools that God has in his toolbox. And he's, he's spent some time, he's planted that seed, he's watered that seed, and, and throughout Ephesians, he's going to use different tools to kind of prune and shape this tree that is growing. And so, uh, so let's get into it. So Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. And what's unique about this book is, um, so he, he takes some time, and in seven years he's traveling around, he's doing other things. Now, can anyone else remember what was going on seven years ago in their life? Or maybe, maybe even just like in other areas of your world, I think what was, we were like iPhone 3 at that point in time. I think. I mean, we got you know we've had and so a lot can change in seven years. I think uh, Facebook just posted something that six years ago today I was in Phoenix for work, hanging out with my friend Eli, eating pasties, which was ironic because that's more of a northern food, but it was great. Um, that was six years ago. Seven years ago, I think I was in New England working um, out of a pickup truck, driving around doing some different things. I was single. I was living in Bemidji with a couple other guys and uh, just kind of doing my thing. What, what's changed in, in the, your last seven years? Some of you have had kids, you've bought homes. All sorts of things have happened in the last seven years. And so for Paul, there had been a lot of things that had happened in the previous seven years. And so the letter that he writes to them isn't dealing with a, a specific situation and he's he wants to help them to see and understand the big picture of who God is and what he's calling his church not just to do but to be in Ephesus so that the gospel can continue to explode throughout Asia Minor. And so I want to just go through and we're going to pick up a few a few terms and we're just going to talk about them a little bit here this morning. And um and so we read Paul, an apostle. And for some people, that's, that's a word that can bring up some positive, negative things, whatever else. It's a little bit confusing. We don't have people now, like if you go to a church website that has a bunch of people on staff, you usually don't see, you know, apostle, right? Like that's not a position that we have. 
Um, and so but what this means and what Paul is doing is he's saying, I, Paul, I was the sent one. That's what apostle means. And it kind of brings about this, this idea of maybe a church planter or a missionary or someone who had a message from God to bring to people who had never heard it before. And so Paul is merely identifying himself to the people in Ephesus, saying, hey, this is who I am, this is of Christ Jesus by the will of God. Not by what he'd done, but by what God had done. Not by his idea or his volition, but by God's doing. It wasn't, hey, you know, I'm Paul, I'm super smart, I'm really well versed with the scriptures. I mean, he's got this pedigree that we talk about elsewhere. I mean, he was kind of the Harvard MBA grad of, uh, of, his, of his time and of his people. Yet he doesn't claim that at all. He says, the only reason that I am here is because of the will of God. Something that we can all kind of take note of as we think about, oh, you know, why am I here? We have this tendency to sometimes get puffed up, you know, be number one and not look out for one. He says, I'm here by the will of God. And he says, and so who is he talking to here? He says, to the saints who are in Ephesus, who are faithful in Christ Jesus. So he says, I'm the, I'm the apostle, I'm the sent one. And so he's communicating some authority, and it helps us to understand that when we read Ephesus, when we hear the book of Ephesians, we hear the words that Jesus is speaking to us. The same words that were true for the Ephesians are true for us. The same words that Jesus was speaking to them, Jesus is speaking to us. That's why we read the Scriptures before we preach about them. Because what I could say that, you know, that's, that's suspect. This is good every time. And so he says, to the saints who are in Ephesus. And so he's talking about not, and it's to make much of God. So to say like, hey, saints, you know, like we don't really greet people that way anymore. It's not something that we necessarily call one another unless maybe you uh, play football in New Orleans. Like that might be the only way that you get that title. Um, and so this idea that Paul is helping them to understand is that you know, a saint was someone that God had done great work in. And so again, we see Paul saying, not, not by my skill, but by God's will. And we see these saints are you know, not by their skill, but by God's will. And it talks about, and it brings about this idea that God is great. And it unifies these individuals. And we see that it's a united body with a corporate calling. And so we see that there's all sorts of different people, right? Just like these tools in the toolbox, you know. This is good for some things. This isn't good for all things. But it definitely has a part to play. And it's why it belongs in the toolbox. And so just like each and every one of us, as saints that God is doing work in, we have a role to play. And we're to be unified in our corporate calling. Why is that? Like, Why is it that, that God takes these people and binds them together and, and sends them out? Well, we, we talked about this last week in, in our weakness, God's strength, is shown, right? 
and we learn more and more about what our role is. And it'd be easy to think like, oh, well, you know, like, I think sometimes we kind of downplay. We have to remember that like, we're God's plan A. And, and we're going to get more into this in the weeks to come where Paul's going to talk about how this was the church was God's plan since the foundation of the world. You know, we didn't get to Genesis 12 and God was like, yeah, so uh, that fall happened and uh, I'm gonna, I should probably get my boy Abraham and uh, maybe make a group and send him out. And he doesn't get to, to Pentecost and say, ah, maybe I should, I should throw the Holy Spirit down on these people to get them to gather together to go scatter around the world and bring my message of hope. Where, oh, I should have done that a couple thousand years ago. No. From the very beginning, from before time existed, from the very foundations of the world, the bedrock plan for the redemption of God and for God's redemption of his people has always been the gathered saints empowered by the Holy Spirit going out to a lost and dying world. And so where is that calling? To what is that calling? To whom? The answer is to Christ. We have been called to be in Christ. We just celebrated communion. So communion is this meal that we unite around the fact what, that, we, that we live in Brainerd, that we you know, like to gather in a building that used to be a lumberyard, that we agree that 10 o'clock is an okay time to meet. No, we gather because we are in Christ. And that is our unifying factor and that is what puts us forward. It says that we're not good to be alone. So that's why we've been created to be in Christ. And one thing that I found very striking in prepping for this was realizing that this is a position that we preserve, not an attribute to attain. I think sometimes we think about, oh, I, I want to be in Christ. And we think about that as, as, as something that we have to get to or a place that, where we can arrive an attribute that we can have, you know, I can, I can be funny, I can, I can be helpful, I can, you know, uh, be honest, and I can be in Christ. But that's the wrong way to look at it. In Christ is a position. In Christ is something about who we are as believers. We can't take that away. If you're a believer in Jesus, there's no way to not be in Christ. In Christ is a position which is preserved. And so that's why we're gonna, when we get in chapters 4 through 6, we're going to talk all about the unity of his people. That's why it's so important for, for Christians to, to work with one another. Yeah, are we going to disagree? Oh, yeah, Paul has some staunch disagreements with some of the believers that we see in the inspired word of God. But we also see the way that the Spirit works in unity and for unity for the glory of God and the good of his people. And I love the next part. So we, so we, we start to kind of understand this, this idea that we are in Christ and that we're to preserve this way of being. And then Paul greets us and says, grace to you. Grace. So the first, next three chapters, he's just going to hit hard and long on this idea 
of grace. And this gift given by God to us to be stewarded well and to be given throughout the world. Lavishly given to others. And then he says, peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. Now, when, when you're rolling along and you get to that word peace, like what do you, what do you think? Anybody think like headbands, tie-dye, peace signs, you know, this kind of a thing? Maybe you think pie, I don't know. But, uh, but if, you were, if you were there and, and Paul comes up to you and he says, peace to you. That would not have been, that would not have been a, uh, a just a, a mere greeting. This is prayer language. In in Paul's kind of native tongue, this would have been shalom. This would have been a different kind of peace. And in the Greek, it conveys this idea of a prayer. And so it means that when we're greeting one another and when and we, he's interacting with with those who are in Christ, and he says, "Grace and peace." May you receive the gift of grace that God has given you and may you know the peace that He has intended for you. God's rule and reign over space and time, peace be to you. And it's going to set us up for for service and for submission to those around us. Because it's really difficult to pray for someone when you're trying to lord over someone, is it not? And so when you pray peace for someone, that God's rule and reign in time and space would be present, manifested, and growing within them, what are you doing? You're placing their needs above your own. And you work to move toward them that they might work to move toward God. So this is just a, brings about this word picture of the way that we are to walk. Not looking out for number one, but looking out for the oneness and the unity of Christ. And so what happens if we don't do this? You know, when we read through Ephesians, what I love about Ephesians is it isn't about one situation. Some of the other letters that Paul writes there, something's going on in, in a church, and so Paul has to write this letter, and he's like, hey, look, y'all got to straighten out because this isn't good. But Ephesians, he writes... To, so that we can you know, kind of see the, the big picture. And he hits at this core heart issue, right? Like if you, if you leave me the choice to do math or not do math, I will not do math. Like I, I just don't do well with math. My last year of college, my last semester, all I had to do to graduate was to take an independent study course in algebra. I took pre-calc in high school, Algebra should have been easy, but it was an independent study. And so if you give me the choice to do math or not do math, I will not do math. So I did not graduate college on time because I did not do math. And if you give people the choice to walk in unity or to walk in disunity, to look out for the betterment of the other or to look out for the betterment of ourselves, what do we tend toward? We tend to look out for number one, don't we? And so Paul's writing this and he says, you've got to get this, you've got to see this, that you are one in Christ. This is something that is new 
and been being renewed and is true about you. You are now one in Christ. And so as you look around this room, go ahead, do it. It's fine. We can we'll take a couple moments. So as you look around this room and you see these believers that are in this room, we are united in Christ. And there might be some people in here or in other churches around the, the, you know, around the world where you might know some people that, that believe in Christ that you just, you just don't really know that uh, you really want to get along with them. You are one in Christ. And so part of the work of the Holy Spirit and the sanctification and the growth in our life is going to be how do we walk in unity? You know, it's, it's easy to not do this. But if you don't do this, what's going to happen is that you're not going to grow. You're going to probably walk in further selfishness and narcissism. And, and this good life that God has given you to try to live abundantly will be stymied and stunted. And... Uh, you know, if you're lucky, by the end of, of your life, your soul will look something kind of like this. And that's really sad. So what do we do then? We see our position in Christ. God has given us a gift to walk in grace and to know His peace. And He has sent us out to bring that message of hope and grace and peace and love and justice and mercy to a world that is so backward and confused and doesn't know what to do. And to that world, we say grace and peace. And we don't bring this out so that we can fulfill some sort of title. There are some other titles we'll read about later on. And so we, we don't do this so that we can be called apostle. But we do this so that we can be like Jesus. We are united, Communitas Church. We are united. Let us act like it. Not only should we plant seeds, but we should trim trees as we grow in our ability let it not be so that we can talk about how great we are but so that we can talk about how great god is we talked about caesar augustus the divine one people would would worship caesar because they got something just like the, the young athletes that I talked about earlier who were, you know, it was okay if, if the team lost or they won. They were, they were participating to get something. And what's really special and what's really awesome is watching people who participate in things because they've just been given something. You'd be around the people that they, they just can't help it. Like they're just, like they're just great at what they do and they're doing it because it's fun. God made me tall. He made some people fast and good at doing certain things and to watch those people just do those certain things. So the people that worshipped Caesar or worshipped Artemis did it so they could get something. And God says, don't worship me so that you can get something. I've already given you something. Receive that grace and walk in peace. I am with you. And so church, like, do you believe that?
Does that, I, I need you to, you, I need you to feel that. I need you to know that. I need you to believe that. If we're gonna, if we're gonna actually do what we say that we're about here of making disciples, we need to understand that. We need to get that. We need to walk in grace. We need to know peace and we need to extend grace and show peace to the world around us. And so, as we think about this, how does your faith inform the way that you see the world? How does your faith inform the way that you see others? How does your faith inform the way that you see yourself? We're going we're gonna to do some, some pretty good work over the next year as we go through this book of Ephesians. And I hope we're able to, we'll definitely see the overarching, but we're also going to take some time to really dig down deep and look at the roots of who we are. And uh, we're going to maybe have to trim some things. We might have to move some things around. But are you willing to do that hard work? As we think about where we were seven years ago and where we are now, like what happened in there? Right? Like we didn't run the last seven years. We walked through the last seven years, and that's where it has brought us to where we are today. We think about uh, Judah ten year, seven years ago. Were you able to read? Could tiny bit, not too much. And now, you know, so Judah's ten. Seven years ago, he was three. He could read a little tiny bit. Now he, he was able to get up here today and read the words that Jesus is speaking to us. And church, if we're going to actually do this business of making disciples that go out to serve in the Brainerd Lakes area and around the world, we need to unify together so that in seven years, Judah can get up here and preach the gospel to us. And the goal isn't that we just produce people that can preach, but the goal is that we unite together in Christ and the byproduct of the working of the Holy Spirit and our obedience to Christ is that we produce disciples that can do that. And so we don't, we don't wait for seven years. We're going to see that Paul lays out this plan and then he goes about executing this plan. And if you want to hear more about our plan, shameless plug, we have a business meeting this evening. Show up. We're going to tell you all about our plan to build disciples so that in seven years, the kids who are in here now look more like Christ. That those of us who are in here now who are all kinds of a mess, we're going to, Paul's going to later talk about all the different relationships, husbands, wives, kids, bosses, employees. I'm sure that we're at least some of those here, right? Like at least we're, we're probably on that list somewhere. We're in a relationship, we're you know, a son, we're a daughter, we're a father, we're a mother, we're, we're, we're some of that, we're, we're a boss, we're an employee. What's it going to look like as, as in, over the next seven years? How are we willing to do the hard work to dig in and to take the time so that in seven years we are a people transformed that live in Christ? It's my hope and my prayer that we'd be willing to do that because I believe that it's worth it and it, it's going to take time and we're going to make mistakes because you know we're an eight-year-old church eight-year-olds make mistakes in seven years we'll be like 15 15 year olds make mistakes 
Like, I don't know who the oldest person is here, but even at that age, I'm sure that you still make mistakes. Let us, let us know how that is. I, I don't know. Pray with me. Lord, we are united in You. We see by Your Word that that is a, a position where we, in which we're present, not an attribute for us to attain. So Lord, as we bind together in unity, we pray that it would not be mere pleasantries, but it would be a sign of Your Spirit working within us. Where else do we go, Lord, where we see a group of people gathered together such as this for Your glory? So we pray for Your church around the world, Lord, that we would continue to walk in unity and in faith, looking more and more like You every day, spreading Your hope to a world that's lost and in need of Your mercy. Amen. We once were lost, but now we see. We once had walked away from God, but now we get to walk with God. May we go out this week receiving and giving grace, knowing His peace, and extending that to the world around us. Stay and hang out. We've got some simple carbohydrates and caffeinated beverages in the back. Five o'clock this evening. Uh, come and hang out with us, and uh, we'll talk about what our plan is for making disciples, talk about what was the year past, the year future, and how we intend to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples here in the Brainerd Lakes area and around the world. That will be at 5 o'clock. We will feed you some dinner at 6. If you are a member or not, we invite you to come. Go in peace.